if nothing else happens, I get to say Black Lives Matter tonight. And then I get to have a conversation with anybody in the community, my community, who is super brain, like not brainwashed, but when we were taught history in school, we were taught white history. And you know that. And I know that. So now we get to talk about Juneteenth, which in the white community, if you say Juneteenth, people go, what is that like Cinco de Mayo? So, hey, welcome to the Night Lounge. I'm your host, Troy Smith. I'm here with Sybil Reagan. Hello, Sybil. Hey, how are you? Yeah, uh, look at this. Look, she's so hyped. Yeah, look, y'all hear that voice? Perfect, huh? Like a cartoon <laughs> voice. It's really bad. <laughs> well, look, man, so we're here with a special guest today because, you know, we, we're talking with all this going on, everything is happening. We're talking about building allies and having allies to actually help get agenda things together, to make things run smoother, to work together cohesively, right? So reached out to Sybil, because another friend of mine said, hey, you need to talk to Sybil because she's trying to actually get some things going in the city of Hendersonville in regards to showing that other black lives do matter. But this is what's interesting about it. Sybil is white. If you haven't heard, talk Sybil, there you go. I know, I know, it's awesome. It's scary. I'm like Casper the Ghost White. It's, it's like <laughs> on that level. Well, man, so I'm so excited to talk to her about it because it's like, hey, you know, so this is how it happened. So well, a friend of mine, Jonathan, who's a part of the actual uh, city council here, said, hey, you need to reach out to Sybil because I wanted to see what your thoughts were about some things. And Sybil, be, and she's trying to get some things going. And I'd like to connect you with them. Like, okay, cool. No problem. I'm all in my mind, unfortunately, automatically thinking that Sybil is black automatically. <laughs> So when she, when I called her and she answered the phone and said, hello, I'm like, what the? <laughs> okay, so I'm listening more. Maybe she just got a different tone. But no, she's full-fledged. Oh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm suburban Lily White. Yeah, for sure. But she yeah, has I such like a heart. Full-fledged. Full-fledged. So Full-fledged, yeah. suburban, Karen. <laughs> but, she's not, but she's not Karen, though. She's not the Karen that you used to see. Try not to be. Try, Try not, not to be. Manager at any time. <laughs> so, Sybil, just tell a little bit about you know. I hate to do the clay sheet thing, so we're not going to say tell a little bit about you. Sure. I'm going to tell a little bit about you. Okay. Karen is actually the co-founder of Strong Schools. Now she's actually trying to actually show that it's important to have stronger schools, right? Right, and it's important to fully fund education. I've fully fund education. Right, because we have huge educational disparities, even within the county, where schools who are in a higher socioeconomic district have parents who were paying into like PTOs, so they had the best resources. And then you have schools like North Sumner up in the middle of nowhere that have no resources and no PTO and full of working parents. And to me, good education is everyone's responsibility. I don't care if you have kids in school. I don't care if you don't. It makes us a better community. So I've been working on that since like 2012, just trying to increase school funding that's an equitable school funding instead of just my kid's school. It'd be real easy for me to write a check, but it's mm-hmm. bigger than writing a check. It's bigger than that. Yeah. And not only that, she's also a campaign consultant. I but, am. But you want to run inter- for office, call me. That's what I'm saying. So what was interesting about it, though, is this. I about oh. called you Karen. Your name is Sybil. Karen. What was interesting, <laughs> what's interesting about it is that she actually only works with local government. I, I yeah. love that because I'm all, you know, we're always talking about pressing the agenda, pushing the agenda about going to go vote for your president, things like that, which has the most publicity because they got more money to do that. But no one ever talks about what affects you today, which is local government. Don't potholes in the street, 
the federal government is not going to take care of that in regard. You can't call the president, come and take care of the potholes. Or the trash or your school. Right. They don't care. So, so you could you elaborate on that though? Why is this important? Because I, I've already voiced that, but I love to hear from someone else's perspective about it. Yeah, local government has the most day to day impact on your life. You're exactly right. Um, federal policies affect big things. The Supreme Court affects big things, but the people you elect for your judges in your county are going to hear your case, and the people who you elect for your county commissioner, your city council, or your board of mayor and aldermen, they're the ones who are going to handle your house, your yard, your kids, your school, your funding. That's that's the most important level of government in your life. And I think I was, my dad was on the very first board of mayor and aldermen in Hendersonville when I was a kid. And government's always been important to my family. It's always been important to me. I was a history major. All history is, is a history of how government affects people's lives. So you've got to start where you are, mm-hmm. you know. That's important. That's So because you, we're always talking about getting something changed and going, but we got to understand that the only way you're going to really see some change is work from the inside out. Yeah. And, and you actually get on the inside and actually being a part of the decision making and having a seat at the table is the only way you're going to really see some transition happen, right? Right. And, and having a seat at the table on an issue like education doesn't change your seat on the table when you come back to the table with something like what we're talking about with, you know, I care about Black Lives Matter. I care about um, equality. I care about other issues besides just education, but I already got my seat at the table. Yeah, so look at that. They know what I'm talking about. And they listen to me. Let's see. Having some favor. See, so the naughty lounge is it basically stands for not overthinking it. So some people think when you say naughty, they think, oh, okay, what, do I, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> right. But the naughty lounge stands for not overthinking it, which is towards a primary uh, focus towards business owners or people that strive to become a business owner, you know, yeah. and they actually want to get past the overthinking an idea. So this what this is here for yeah. to inspire people to think more on the lines of like, hey, you know what? I may be 30 plus. I may have a hustling idea on a, on the side hustle, but uh, but I have kids and family. How can I get past the thinking so much? And if you want to have a successful business in a local area, the president doesn't care about uh-huh. your local business. But your alderman being in your corner when you need something done or you need trash schedule to work with your business schedule or you need zoning to work with you, getting to know and making friends with your local elected officials is one of the most beneficial things you can do as a business owner because you can go to them when you have problems or when you have questions or when you need help and having that relationship already established will help your business every so time. That's, that's why I had to make sure I talked. So I met, so I thought I never met Sybil before, you know, so first of all, when I got thrown off thinking like, okay, I, you know, when I heard her voice, okay, I'm, I'm thrown off a little bit. That's one thing. But then as we continue to keep talking, I just, we got a lot in common in regard to seeing a lot of things happen. You know, a lot of people, a lot of things change. And with all this going on with the George Floyd situation, all that encompasses what's going to affect your business, it's going to affect your family, it's going to affect your community. So it's important that we got to have those difficult conversations with your person that's not scared to have a difficult conversation at all. No, it's, it's, we said this yesterday when we talked, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out. I have privileges that other people don't have, and I have to acknowledge that. And when you have white privilege, which is what white <laughs> women on accept it. that they have, right? Uh, we need to accept it's real. Then we have a choice. Do you use it to make the world around you a better place, or do you ignore it, or do you actively work against it and, and use it to make people's world a worse place? It's not a question. 
to me. I, if I have the voice and I have the seat at the table, I don't sit down for me. I sit down for the rest of the community, everybody in it, because not everybody was lucky enough to get the seat to begin with. So I just got lucky. So, but it's the thing about it. I'm glad you mentioned about the whole white privilege thing, because that's one thing that happens, right? We always hear, you know, uh, people from my community be like, man, it's white privilege. They got to do this. They get to do that. They got a privilege to do so. But you, on the other hand, showing that, yeah, I have a privilege to do so and to speak up about yeah. why it's important that black lives do matter. And we're not talking about the agenda of fighting. Uh, uh, agenda, we're talking about the actual true agenda of showing when it means about black lives matter, just showing that black lives are important just as much. It's a human yeah. decency, human right, right? We're a little bit more, we're more important than a dog would be. And unfortunately, at times you see the fact that you look at like cattle and dogs and, and you get killed in the street, just like the George Floyd thing, regardless of what he's done. The fact is that, you know, the, the saying is proven, he's innocent to proven guilty. Unfortunately, we won't be able to know that because he's dead. Well, let me tell you, I can, this is a white privilege thing and it speaks to what you're talking about. I went shopping in Chicago on Michigan Avenue, like the place to go shop in Chicago. And I had a hundred dollar bill in my wallet that I got from the bank and it was counterfeit. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Nobody killed me. Nobody called the cops. You know, they sent me back to my bank. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So why didn't they send George Floyd back to his bank? Right. That's not the same. It just, for us to sit here and for me to sit in Hendersonville, Tennessee and say that things for my son are the same as for my neighbor's son, they're not because our other awful neighbor is going to treat one of them one way and one of them the other. It's our Mm -hmm. job to say, you're not doing that to my neighbor's kid. I love him. Mm -hmm. You know? So so how you gave an example yesterday about your, you don't have to say his name, but like the neighbor you had, you know, a black family that said, hey, you know, yeah, he's scared to walk around his neighbor. I mean, how crazy is that? You know, but I get it because I see on our neighborhood page that there are other people there who are being ridiculously racist for no reason. And it's that casual racism that comes Mm. out where they're not overt, but just the things they say, like, I only want a white person to clean my house. Mm. They say that that, they say on the page. No, they don't say that. Yes, they so do. My neighbor. Well, you're so thug about it. You'll call somebody out. That's what's thug about you. You're so thug about it. (laughs) You'll call them out. Like I, I can, I can call her out because if I go up to her front door after 7 PM, I'm safe. But Dwayne up the street might not be. And I love Dwayne and I love his wife and I love his kid. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. my job to, to go sit in the front yard and say, bring it. You scared? Be scared of me too then. Look at that. So, so now I want to ask where all this activism attitude come from, Sybil. I mean, for real, I mean, you come from a white family and you, yeah. and you, and you, and you're from a suburban area. I'm from here. I'm yeah, I know. What you've seen all this grow, which is, which is crazy. Yeah. But where did this all come from? For real? Um, it's just the right thing to do. I mean, I think that intrinsically your values and the way that you're raised, you're raised to do the right thing or you're raised to not care about other people. And I just was raised that the world doesn't revolve around me. The world mm. revolves around all of us together. And if one person in the community is hurting or needs help or needs anything, then we're all weaker. So we have to, we have to believe and love our whole community. And I've just always been this way. I've always been like that. So you always I'm been the, a controversial person in the book. Like people will say, yeah. you know that you got the, you're that white friend that people like the other white people say like, Oh God, here comes Sybil. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, uh, everybody, you know, I'm going to make you vote. 
That's what because you so you got the person not scared. Right, right, right. So let me ask you. So you know, and I, and I mentioned this to you before, but so when you hear somebody that's white to stand up for black equality or even anything else, but definitely black equality, you're automatically put into the box as a liberal. You know, they they say, well, yes, it's what you expect from a liberal. I mean, hey, come on, that's what they do. You know, and then I see your deep breath, like, okay, yeah, they tell me somebody ain't heard before, right? But then they for say, me, huh? for me, it's true. Like, yeah, for me, I'm a liberal, but I'm a liberal because I tend to align with policies that include everyone. Um, that's just, that's how the cookie crumbles for me. But I don't paint with a broad brush. There are bad and good people everywhere. Mm. I know as good Republicans as not, and so do you probably. Yeah, it, for sure. Political polarization creates more problems than it solves. Mm-hmm. It, you know, let's just be good people. So, so the thing is, though, but so the people from the black community to be this right here is that, okay, that's good. She's standing up until she gets faced with a situation, you know, where you look at things differently, then you become a Karen. You know what I'm saying? Or someone to be like, oh, you know, where, like, the, for example, let's go to the girl in New York with the dog, right? The girl, the, the, the bird oh watcher. Yeah. But, but, but you got the bird watcher. So the bird watcher, he's up there saying, hey, ma'am, put your dog on a leash. And then she said, what? You know, whatever that conversation came, turned into, she about killed the dog, first of all, <laughs> besides that. But but they made an emphasis that she was a liberal herself. So, oh, yeah. I don't think that any party has like a, 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 a claw hold in being good people. You've got mm-hmm. racist everywhere. Right. I mean, that's, you've got misogynists, you've got people who are homophobic. It's everywhere. There's no like one good side, one bad side. That's, that's painting with such a broad brush. That's not possible. I mean, yes, there are bad people everywhere. There are good people everywhere too. But you're, so you're married with three kids, Sybil. Yeah. It never crossed your thought, your mind of my husband or kids might be bothered by me being Sybil. (laughs) It never crossed your mind to think like, oh, that's my wife again. I mean, tell me about that. Like, no, I mean, not really. My husband and I both went to Hendersonville High School, so we've known each other since high school. We didn't date or anything, but we've known each other for a long time. I was outspoken in high school. I was outspoken in college. We went to college together. I went to Belmont when they didn't recognize Martin Luther King's birthday as a holiday, and we got that changed. Like, he knew that I was going to run my mouth. I got in trouble in college for showing controversial films like Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. But what? But what did that come from, though, Sybil? What did, it had, was it a moment, an awakening moment, that hit you in the face to say, like, for example, you go to your page right now, you rep, you, you got the flag up of Pride Month, yeah. You know, and and, and you're not afraid. No one's you know, no one's gonna come to say, hey, she's gay or whatever. You know, you want to represent people and just yeah. show people. And, what? Where did it come from, though? Where did it come from? I don't know. It was I was raised here. Like it's just the way that I've always been. I think part of my answer, I'm adopted. So I never never knew for a long time where I came from and when you don't know, and when you can't do that, you can't do that identity thing. And you just wonder your mind is open to every possibility. Does that make sense? Oh, that's classic. That's deep. Yeah. So working on that and then it gets better working on that. Eventually I found my biological mom. Um, and then I use my DNA to find my biological dad and I have a bunch of siblings. It's been like a years and years process. But the coolest thing that happened to me was using DNA and doing genealogy and doing history because I was a history major. 
Um, I love to do research. And I got an email from a girl who said, hey, we're related. We're five generations back. And um, I don't know how I'm related to you. So we started doing this thing. Her name is Brittany. She's my cousin. Mm-hmm. She is a black woman and lives in Brooklyn. Get out of here. Me and Brittany work together to figure out how is a black woman in Brooklyn related to this white woman in Tennessee? And we figured it out. But what we got out of it was not the connection and how we're related. It was the fact that we are family. By DNA, we're family. You can't look at us and tell, but oh my gosh, we have the same ideas. We think the same way. We love each other hard. Mm -hmm. That's just one of those, when you don't know where you came from, you don't hang up on that. You don't hang up on, I'm like this, or I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know until I was 40 years old where I even came from. Wow. So, so, but that makes total sense now why you probably are so much into history because you didn't know nothing. So you're like, man, I just want to research and know and get to know more. And everybody else's history. If I can't have mine, I want all the other history. So you've spoken about things about getting, you know, you made made it known at Belmont that they didn't represent or not represent or acknowledge Martin Luther King Day or whatever. And but so you're still on that same mission today. Yeah. Of making recognition to certain things like so you're going to be talking down at the uh, city council meeting. Well, you know, the, the mayor and alderman on via Zoom. You're going to be talking about the fact of recognizing Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. Juneteenth is important. Uh, Juneteenth. So I mean, I mean, I mean Juneteenth. Not only that, but then you also mentioned the fact about. Can we even talk about that right now in regards to what your presentation was? Then they yeah, asked you to. You, do? Yeah, yeah, Is that yeah, open yeah. to do that? Because so, like, so you had mentioned. I mean, they had mentioned that you had wrote the letter. The letter was very professional. I heard both of them, and the fact about in in the letter had a phrase about Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. With that phrase being in there, which caused a little controversy of saying. If we want to get the things moving, we got to work within. Yeah. Right. So you had to yeah. remove the phrase. Let's talk about that. We'll talk about how did that make you feel? How did that make you? How did that go? Well, I sat with it when I first sent it. I didn't get any responses. I couldn't get a sponsor. You have to have a resolution sponsored. So like uh, one of the elected officials has to say, I sponsor this. I sat with it. I called some of the ones I know. I had one and I'm not going to give names right of now. Of course. Yeah, but, yeah. But you know, I'll do this, but let's see if we can get somebody else to speak up to. And I said, great. And then one of the um, aldermen called and said, this is problematic language because right now Black Lives Matter has defund the police on their website, on the main page. And I think people don't understand what defund means. Yeah, they, they they please talk about, yeah, so talk about that too. So go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want you to talk about, <laughs> this is your platform to talk about all of that because <laughs> This is coming from Civil Reagan, white lady. <laughs> Defunding the police is like it's like we defund education every year. We never pay the full amount owed to education. Um, defunding the police just means demilitarizing, not paying for every tank and AK and all these ridiculous, over-the-top, militarized things when maybe we should take money, money for the police and use that toward training and towards you know, how to interact with your community and how to not kill people because you're mad or you're racist. That's that's training that, that the police clearly need, clearly. So the alderman had a problem with that language. And for a few minutes, I was like, you know, I don't care about your problem with the language. That's a you problem. Um, and then it was like, well, I can get, 
I can change those words and say the same thing and unpack my adjectives and mm-hmm. synonyms and say, okay, these are the exact same words without saying black lives matter because mm-hmm. somebody freaked out about that. So I changed it a little bit to say black people in the community mean a lot, which is black lives matter mm-hmm. um, to make people more comfortable with passing my resolution because it's important to to acknowledge the whole thing instead of saying you only can say it my way like now i have a platform to speak tonight at citizens comments where i fully intend to say black lives matter i'm just gonna say you know what you just needed to have a seat at the table yeah i mean that's that's having a seat at the table so i did a video the other day about a week ago, which had a lot of tension, a lot of traction on it. And it was talking about the fact of I had a, it was called to my black friend and white white friends. Okay. And to white, so I had a lot of white people calling me during the turn during the time when this all started happening to check in and see how things were going and tell how much I appreciate your relationship and and but by the way, Troy, what can I do? So I was telling people, just be yourself. Be yourself as you because you can tell the tree by its fruit. If you're a bigot, you're a bigot. Right. If you if you're and if you're a person that actually want to see change, you will be doing that as well. And if something is wrong, you just acknowledge it's wrong like you're doing. Right. You're acknowledging, hey, that is yeah. wrong. Yeah. Because if you got to stand up in front of your friends and family, and other people around you, your cohorts, that's that's a difficult thing to do for some people. Right. It's only difficult till you do it. And it's only difficult if you allow it. If you, you expect people to respect you because you respect humankind, that's not a bad thing to be. Well, that's true. So then as we're speaking to the black friends, I was talking about, and I said it to both, but we being a, being a change agent from the inside out, you know, you change from the inside out. If you go in, we got to work with the certain parameters to make sure we just have a seat at the table. And then you can do exactly what you're going to do by saying, Hey, by the way, out of your mouth, which is recorded, yeah. black lives do black lives matter in Hendersonville. Yeah, yeah. The the black the paperwork man said black people in the community or black African Americans in the community, whatever politically correct, need to be said to get through. But that doesn't stop you from actually having when you're at the table to say, "Hey, by the way, this is what I'm doing." That's what I want people to understand. But people can look at that though and say, especially in the black community, "Hey, well, once again, we're buckling down." I mean, some people can say that we're buckling down. I want to say what I want to say in this paper. Well, you don't get us at a table at the table. If you're just not following some parameters to get in the door. Yeah, sometimes I think you have to give a little to get a lot. So what was your thoughts on that? Of course, you know, they would say, individuals would say, well, she's white. Of course, she would back down and say, okay, I'll downgrade a little bit just to get in. But you just made it very clear. That don't mean I can't be at the table and don't speak my mind at the tables. That's dope. That's dope. Kudos yeah. to you on that. It made no sense to me to die on the hill of my way and nothing got read and nothing happened because if if nothing else happens, I get to say Black Lives Matter tonight. And then I get to have a conversation with anybody in the community, my community, who is super brain like not brainwashed, but when we were taught history in school, we were taught white history. And you know that, and I yeah. know that. So now we get to talk about Juneteenth, which in the white community, if you say Juneteenth, people go, What is that like Cinco de Mayo? I mean yeah no idea what Juneteenth is but look at we've got a whole conversation we can have now about the importance of Juneteenth and why it's important to our our country and why it's important to our friends and our neighbors and we should know that stuff. Why don't you give a little bit about what Juneteenth just for people that's listening 
it may be some blacks out there that may not even know what Juneteenth is. They may remember it from Blackish. I'm going to be honest with you. I never knew yeah. what Juneteenth was until I watched the show Blackish. Like, what is Juneteenth? And I may but have messed up my, I may, I may lose, I may lose my black card because of that. But <laughs> I know this because I taught history and actually it's, it's crazy. I went to Belmont, which is not the most progressive school on the planet, but I took the history of the South, which sounds like it's not going to be a real progressive class at all. It sounds very confederately. Um, but Juneteenth is something I learned in that class. Juneteenth is June the 19th, and that is the day that the last slave was emancipated under the, out of the Confederacy. It was the, the very last emancipation from the Confederacy of a slave, and that is super important. I mean, that is a monumental piece of history. I'm, a big, I'm big on women's rights, and I celebrate the, the perfect 36, which is Tennessee, was the 36th vote that ratified the, the right for women to vote. Mm-hmm. Juneteenth is another thing like that where our kids need to know that was only a couple of generations ago. It wasn't very long ago. Mm-hmm. And that where they, day didn't, is, where they didn't get the message that they were free. Right. Because it wasn't like there was an internet and, and they got told they were free. Right. Right. They didn't, somebody sent them an email or somebody didn't CC them on yeah. it. No, they just didn't know. Right. And we were relying on people who had both lost a war and had a chip on their shoulder to just emancipate their slaves. And it did not happen like that at mm-hmm. all. It wasn't like the cry went up and the newspaper went out. Everybody was free. It was a process. So when it was finally over, it was a huge, I mean, a big enough, monumental enough situation that it's a recognized holiday. Like, it might not be a federal holiday, but it absolutely is a holiday. And we need to recognize that because it did not happen the same year that the war ended or anything like that, you know? So is that what you're going to be presenting tonight to make sure it's recognizing Hendersonville as a holiday or what what exactly? No, it's really just to... Or or is it just just getting your voice out there, right? Just getting your voice out. Just... Say the word Juneteenth so people go, what's Juneteenth? I guarantee you not everybody on that board of mayor and aldermen have heard of it or even know what it is. But also to, to talk about Black Lives Mattering to our community because we don't do that here and we should do that here. Nashville is not the only place we can talk about Black Lives Mattering in the community and having protests and standing up. We need to stand up in Hendersonville too and in Gallatin and in Westmoreland and Portland. But I live here and it matters to me to acknowledge that because it's, I can, I can do that. I should do that. It's the right thing to do. Well, I tell you what, I appreciate you using your white privilege, you know, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you actually having the heart to do something. It's okay. We can just say we have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when I heard, I don't know if you're a fan or ever heard about uh, Louis CK, you ever heard of Louis CK? Yeah. Well, he has a stand up before I know you about women's rights. I understand, but he had it before he got in trouble. But he had right, a stand up right. that talked about uh, how uh, about white privilege in general. Like he said, hey, I'm young, you know, I'm white. You got to acknowledge the fact that, you know, I, I can go in a time machine and be like, okay. Like I go back to year, what, two and say, hey, I'm here and say, hey, we got a table pulled out for you. And then you got a black guy that say, hey, don't go anything past 1980. I don't want to go back. So, like, <laughs> he, yeah, but he admitted it, but he admitted to it, which now would probably be looked at as like, how could you say that? But it's the truth, though. It's funny and it's the truth. But then also he mentioned that, but I don't want to think about what's going to happen in the future. I'm talking about what can happen, what's happening now and in the past. What do, what do you say to people that may say two things and then we'll be done? Is Because we'll be on here all day. Huh, we could. <laughs> we can do a series. Yeah, we can do a series. I mean, you might have to come. No, you will have to come back because people may want to hear more about what your story. Because now I want to hear more about the story about your growing upbringing because that's dope. I mean, just hearing 
now it shows why you're in the history, why you're in the research, and why you want to make sure everyone has a voice. Yeah. When that could have been, at one time, apparently, I don't know what the situation was when your adoption happened, but someone decided that, hey, I'm going to have to give this, give her up so I don't, something. I don't know the situation. Yeah, don't, yeah, it was just, fully. Yeah, not a good time. Not a good time yeah. in life. So, but what do you say to people that say, number one, that they're colorblind? Um, that's not a thing, and it really erases other people's experiences and existence. Mm-hmm. And I used to make that mistake. I really did. I thought that was the right thing to say. And I have a good friend named Sabrika that I love, and I hope she'll listen to this. Sabrika, let me know in a very direct way why it was hurtful to say that and why it ignored people's existence and it ignored their experience and it ignored their history. You can't say you're colorblind because then you're blind to everybody else's situations. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crap. Yeah. You should not be colorblind. You should celebrate color that everybody has a unique story. Your story's not my story. You're you're black, I'm white, we have different stories. But if I say I'm colorblind, then I've just erased all of what makes you a black man. Mm. And that matters to you. Does that yeah. make sense? No, like, I mean, I tell someone, I told two people already, this, not in the corrective way of being mean, but just the fact of when you say that, you can't say you're colorblind, because let me know right then and there, you, you actually see color. <laughs> so if you say you don't see the color, you let me know you see. And then they say, oh, well, this, you know, you know my heart. Yeah, I know your heart, but you got to acknowledge the fact it's okay to be different. And it's okay to, you know, that we had different, like you said, different cultural upbringings and different things. There's nothing wrong with, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo. That's a different culture in itself. It's okay to learn too. Yeah. If like you grew up saying I was color, I'm colorblind or all lives matter or whatever. It's okay to stop right now and acknowledge that maybe you weren't doing that the best way possible or you were hurting somebody, even if you didn't mean to, because you're a good person and say, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to my friend, Sabrika, who said, don't do that. It hurts me and say, I hear you and I love you and I won't ever do it again. You know what I mean? I I get it. And then if you make a mistake and do it, you do it again, but just, you know, you just keep getting better each way. My next question, my last question would be this. So this, this is a four, a podcast for us, basically it's 30 and up people that's literally what you know they got either a hustle in mind they either working yeah. full-time employees but they got a side hustle or they got a passion or they already already may have a company in play but they're maybe in a place where they're stuck especially in right now today's situation yeah. their business is going to be affected by this you know their, yeah. their ideas and their family situation may be affected by this but they want to see some cha- things happen and see a change happen but they're overthinking it what would you tell that person to help them get over that hump of either starting something, moving, going forward, the better direction. What would you tell that person? To do the right thing, to trust yourself. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing or saying. You know, if if you want to speak out, if you want to be outspoken, being authentically yourself will bring the people to you and the customers to you and the business base to you that you want. We, one thing that I've noticed entrepreneurially is there is a renewed push. Hey, who owns black restaurants in Nashville? Who owns black restaurants in Gallatin? Ride that wave, ride the wave and be out and proud. I mean, use this moment in history to your advantage by all means go out and say, that is me. Hi, I am Troy. And here is my business. Please sign up right now. I mean, that's what you need to be doing right now. You need to trust yourself. You need to be authentically who you are because 
you know, if you're listening to this show, you're probably not authentically a racist, I would hope. Mm. But if you're going to put that out there, at least we know who to avoid. On the converse, (laughs) (laughs) on the converse, be yourself. It's just like when you run for office. You can't run for office faking who you are. You have to be who you are. You have to stand for an issue. If, If you don't stand for something, you will indeed fall for anything. Don't be that person. Okay. So what would you tell your white friend then? Like your, your white friend is just saying, what have you told your white friend to say, you know, Sybil, look, I hear what you're saying. I want to say, so I just don't want to come across as wrong or right. Cause you know, I ain't gonna lie. White people on the pins and needles, especially white males, they're on pins and needles where they can't really do and say a lot without having to hear the whole racist talk, you know, like, Oh, you, and it's okay. And I think it's okay to say you like something, you don't like something. It's not racist to me. You know, I don't mind hearing all ends, but, you know, what would you tell your friend? But it's not about us today. Uh-huh. Black Lives Matter is not about my feelings. Mm-hmm. Get over yourself. <laughs> gotcha. That's, that's what I would say. Get over yourself because I have to get over myself all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's part of recognizing what's wrong, right? If we don't start getting over ourselves and going, hey, it's not just about me. This, this moment in time is not about me. It's about my neighbor or my friend or Troy or whoever. It's not about you. So why are you worried? If somebody thinks that you're too outspoken or thinks that you stand up for people too much, okay, why is that a bad thing? If you believe in what you're saying and you're outspoken and you're doing good in the world, don't worry about people who don't like that. They're not your people. And that's you know, and I guess that's the point of the white privilege thing too because a lot of times people are afraid of their – yeah, they got the privilege of saying so, but then you got their social status that might be affected. And you're not worried about apparently your social status. And when you're being authentic, people knowing, they know, oh, they're civil, you know, and she's going to handle it. What she's going to do what she's going to do. And they might run away, um, but they weren't my people, though. My people, my people are my people because they know I'm outspoken and I'm going to go fight for you at the Capitol. I'm going to go fight for you over there at the County Commission. I'm going to fight for you over there at the City Hall. And if you need me one day and you've had my back, I'll fight for you too. Like, Yeah, I mean, like I barely, I remember when we first talked. You know, when we first talked, you said, hey, I got you. You need anything, you let me know. You run and run for something, you let me. And I didn't, I barely even knew you, but that's the type of heart you have. So I know I said I only had a couple things. That was my last two things, but I, I lied because two things came into mind. And this, then we're going to really be done. Uh, what do you say when someone says, because you just mentioned when you say get over yourself, right? But then yeah. what, what do you think about the situation that Alderman posted that the other night about white lives matter and the LOLs and all that stuff? I think that we can either get mad at him, which I am, um, and say, hey, that's garbage and you shouldn't say that. Or we can be proactive and find somebody to run in Ward 6 of Hendersonville and unelect him because he's clearly not fit to serve in that office. And my time is better spent proactively saying, who wants to run? Let me help you run. Right? <laughs> hey, and so uh, you think Trump was talking about thugs like you? <laughs> because you out here in the streets. You out here getting it done, changing lives for real. So my last thing, then, too, what would you say to someone that says the whole thing about, because when you said the get over yourself thing, it made me think. When someone says, all lives matter. It's a meme that we've all seen on the internet. But when when you go to a funeral and somebody's giving a eulogy and they're like, Jack was a really great guy. Do you go up to the mic and say, but all men are super great? No, you don't do that. 
you know, when somebody's kid is getting an award at school, you don't run up to the microphone and go, but all kids are good at reading. So why is this different? Why are we saying, but all right now, the black community is hurting and they need us. And I think it's uncaring and unkind to say, but all lives matter because then you're saying, but what about me? It's not about you today. It's about black lives today. But I like the fact that you just said that, man. I'm sorry, Sybil. That was dope. That's deep when you said, but today it's about this. It's about them. It's about black lives. It's about, because I, I never heard it that way, which made me think now is that's the best, the best way of putting it, you know, because um, I heard it said on the internet recently when a guy said, when all the houses, say you got a house neighborhood and the house was on fire, the, the fire part, department don't come and put out, put water on all the houses. They put the one on the houses on fire. To get right. the fire out of that one. Yeah. And, and you know, you can't say, uh, this is such a cliche, you can't say all lives matter unless you've already said black lives matter. It doesn't work like that. Today, black lives matter. Who's hurting? Who needs our help? Black community needs our help today. They need our help. They and, there's, and, there's, and there's place for the white, and there's, a, there's a place for all lives matter at that point. At some time, but right now we're talking about this one. Yeah, today we need to talk about black lives because that's in the news and that's what matters. And George Floyd mattered. And so today we need to get over ourselves and say black lives matter. It's not a scary thing to say. <laughs> well, everybody, that's Sybil Reagan. Sybil Reagan, please tell everyone how they can find you on social media and how they can connect with you. You can find me a lot of places. You can find me at the Sumner County Democratic Party. If that's a scary thing for you, I understand and I love you. You can find me at Strong Schools on Facebook and on social media. And you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Sybil Reagan. And I'm around. I'm not hard to find. Look at the newspaper. I'll be there eventually. Well, we'll have it on the link, too. So, hey, man, and remember, guys, thank you all so much, first of all, for joining us on the Naughty Lounge. And thank you so much, Sybil, for being on here with us. Make sure you all share this for sure. Get this out there. Let's share this white privilege out there on the, on the <laughs> airwaves. But uh, look, remember the trail come of having a mindset of successful thinking is having an unwavering expectation of successfully achieving a predetermined goal, knowing that the outcome is supposed to happen. Remember the two most important currencies in life are time and relationships. Time, you gotta invest wisely because you can't get back. Relationships will get you places that money can't buy. I holler.